Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Good late morning and welcome in. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Wednesday as we talk the world of sports. Welcome in. Trent Condon running solo one final day on Ken Miller's birthday. The old man... Turn 65. Not retirement age, though, for Ken, though he is enjoying a little time away in California. He'll be back with us tomorrow and going forward from Cali before he makes his way back in January here to the great state of Iowa. Coming up today on the BMW of Des Moines guest list, we kick things off with a couple of boys on the road. No, not Ken. It is Sean Roberts along with Justin Miller. They're making their way to the Liberty Bowl, and they're in the car right now. We'll talk with them coming up here in about 15 minutes as we will talk a little bit about the Liberty Bowl, their travels, their plans, and what they have coming up for us here on KXNO in the coming days. Of course, 2.30 kickoff on Friday afternoon with Memphis and Iowa State from the Liberty Bowl. Chance to punctuate just an incredible season for this Iowa State football team, a year where I know I was not alone in thinking that it was going to be another bowl of seasons. Season, hot seat, well, we talked about that a lot in September after what happened in Ohio for Matt Campbell and obviously the way that they played in Big 12 play and the future of the Big 12. Iowa State, with all that young talent, looks to be in really good shape. We'll talk about that coming up with Sean Robertson. Justin Miller as they come to us live from the road, making their way down to Memphis. 11.30, it'll be Tommy Birch. We're going to talk some baseball with Birchie. It's been a while since we've had Birchie on the airwaves. As the hot stove season cools down here a little bit, this is normally the lull in the calendar. Christmas into New Year's, things slow down a little bit, and then I'll ratchet right back up in January. We'll talk about the Cubs. We'll talk about the Twins. Also, I want to get some thoughts. Brody Brecht, obviously back for another season with the Iowa baseball program, along with Marcus Morgan, their top two pitchers. And uh, seeing a lot of those preseason prognostications that are out there for college baseball coming up this year. Something we don't talk a ton about, but by the time we get into April, we get through college basketball. There are a lot of people that believe this Iowa baseball team is not only going to be good and an NCAA tournament team again and have an opportunity there to make their run through the 64-team bracket. People believe this is a team that is a true contender to be a college World Series team. In fact, I saw two different ones uh, over the weekend, including uh, somebody that is well-renowned in their forecast of college baseball that has Iowa. Imagine that in Omaha for the College World Series. Uh, that is something to talk about. And I get to talk about some of the high school prospects as well. A lot of good kids uh, coming up in this senior class for high school baseball. Plus, talk a little Iowa State women. Birchie does a little bit of everything over there with the Des Moines Register, and that's coming up here at the bottom of the hour. 11.50, it'll be Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Talked a lot of Chiefs yesterday, and it is a continued conversation as this Chiefs team just has issues right now. Are they going to be able to pull themselves out? The old tried and true. Well, they got Patrick Mahomes. They're going to be okay. Does not appear to be the case right now. Forcing the ball to Rasheed Rice. Travis Kelsey looks like he's not only lost a step, maybe two. He just looks like such a non-factor. They try to get him involved. We'll get into that and a whole lot more coming up here at 11.50 with Mitch Holtis. 12 o'clock hour, we'll kick it off, and we will go to Memphis. Bill Seals is down there with 
the rival site for iowastatecyclonereport.com. We'll talk to Bill, the press conference uh, from Matt Campbell, and a whole lot more as we set the scene two days away from the Liberty Bowl with Iowa State and Memphis. And then at 12.30 on a Wednesday, it's always David Kaplan. We'll talk Bears. We'll talk Bulls. We'll talk Cubs. We'll probably not talk White Sox. Or Blackhawks, but we'll talk about those three and everything going on in the world of Chicago sports as presented by Centurion Stone of Iowa. So a busy one here and the news of the day going back to yesterday as it was announced last evening, the Jay Higgins is back. That's right. Hawk, Hawk, Hawk back for another season. If you follow his dad, Roy, on Twitter, he's incredible. Uh, he is one of a kind. He is an incredible ambassador to the Iowa football program and the excitement that he generates. The dude's a rock star. No, not the All-American linebacker. The dad. Roy. Which is unthinkable. Crazy. We've seen plenty of parents that like to be in the spotlight. Frank Garza obviously comes to mind. Every game that you watch at Iowa State, the Purdies were always up there in the stands, right? Not at the same level as Frank Garza, but we've had those kind of parents, right? That become kind of part of the story of them. Nobody quite like Roy. But the big news is Jay Higgins. He's coming back for another season with the Iowa football program. You got to start and commend what the Swarm Collective has been able to do to generate what they were able to do a year ago in the transfer portal, coupled with bringing back Evans for another season, Logan Lee for another season, bringing those guys back. And this is just the first step of what I know they believe is many guys coming back this year. At the top of the list is Cooper DeGene. And it is crazy to think that a guy that, though he's not a guaranteed first-rounder, most everybody has him mocked as a first-round draft pick. Now, at the next level, is he a cornerback? Is he a safety? Is he a slot corner? And what is he going to be at the next level? That's for the NFL folks to determine and figure out. What we know is he's obviously an incredibly talented football player and what he's been able to do. Cooper DeGene, when... He was thrust onto the scene because of injuries late in his true freshman campaign. This is a guy that played safety, played quarterback, was dunking on dudes on the basketball floor, good baseball player. I mean, you name it, he did it out at Odebelt, Arthur, Battle Creek, Ida Grove. And he'd never played cornerback before. And so he gets thrust in there at cornerback, a position that he has never played, and he looked all right. And then you see a year ago what he was able to do, five interceptions, three pick six, and then this year with the All-American year, even missing the final three games of the season after that broken leg that he sustained in practice. He's an incredible talent. Is there any path for him to come back? I just can't see it. I was had these guys before. You go back to the story of TJ Hawkinson, wanting to come back, didn't want to leave, but knew first-round draft pick money was there. And eventually, Kirk Ferentz and company talked him, you have to. You can't turn down this kind of opportunity. The world is different now, though, with NIL. Not to say that the NIL and the Hawkeye Collective, the Swarm, is going to be able to put together six, seven, eight million dollars. That would be the potential signing bonus and the guaranteed money that's going to come your way as a first-round draft pick. That, that's not likely to going to happen for Cooper DeGene. However, and I don't think you want it to happen. That, that's the other part of this. You don't want that to happen because there's a finite amount of money, and it's just not unending. And in order to build your whole roster, it would be great to have Cooper DeGene back, no doubt. But if you're going to allocate a huge amount of your funds just to one player in football, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, he's just a true junior. 
And this is still a guy that has not played a whole lot of cornerback in his career, right? This is a guy that's still under the tutelage of Phil Parker, can get better. That's not always the case when we're talking about these players, but this is still a really young guy, a true junior, with not a whole lot of reps at that position. That'll be interesting. I don't believe it'll happen. I can't envision a scenario where it happened. We talked yesterday about Nick Jackson. Step number one, he was granted the waiver by the NCAA, meaning he would be eligible for another season with the Hawkeyes this year. Played at such a high level. And maybe those two guys running mates together. Jackson was the one a year ago that had to figure out a new position, bumping outside from playing middle linebacker at Virginia before he made his way in. Sebastian Castro put together a ridiculous season. And you look at the metrics out there. You know, the numbers from Pro Football Focus, PFF, those kind of things, they're through the roof. That guy played the cash position as well as anybody. They've had some dudes play that position since Phil Parker instituted it, what, six years back. They have had some outstanding players there, and maybe he was the best among them. Amongst them, Kind of that oversized safety, if you will, a smaller outside linebacker, whatever it is, it worked out incredibly well for him. What is he going to do? The options that are going to be in front of him, and it go, again, goes back to the swarm. Kyler Fisher, another guy, can come back for another year. Quinn Schulte, what do they do? If it's not Quinn Schulte, then Cohen Entringer, who made a name for himself on that chase down play a year ago. So many weapons, so many things, and maybe the biggest is not the defense because I think most everybody's pretty confident that I was going to be good defensively. Like, you just go back to last year. You lose two first-round NFL draft picks. You thought there was going to be a step back, and there really wasn't. The step back, if there was one, was minimal. Now, it took a while. That Iowa defense in September was not the defense that we saw during the course of October and certainly November. But you bring this crew back, look out. Offensively, though, what happens with Luke Cachet, what happens with Eric All, those are going to be two factors as well. Combo, if either of those guys, or even both of them come back, along with the emergence of Addison Estrenga, a healthy quarterback, fingers crossed, with Cade McNamara, which is no sure thing in its own right, and a new offensive coordinator, maybe, just maybe, things are trending. If these guys all come back, the guys that we mentioned there, both linebackers, two guys that had incredible seasons, Cooper DeGene, Quinn Schulte, either Lachey or All. What is Iowa going into next year? Top 15? Top 12? We'll see. And we'll find out uh, those preseason numbers that come out. And everybody has their way too early top 25 that comes out the national championship game. These guys are coming back. Iowa is going to be out there and uh, going to be talked about a whole lot coming into next season. Big news of the day, obviously, is that another big story, speaking of the Iowa Hawkeyes, is what is happening in the Citrus Bowl. News from earlier this morning as Joe Milton, the quarterback for the Volunteers, has opted out. Now, Joe Milton is a guy that I've never been enamored by. Super strong arm. Uh, It's a guy that he's been around for six years. Ken and I have talked about him for a long time. We are on opposite sides of the Joe Milton conversation. Ken, you got a big arm. He's going to love you. And it doesn't matter if you don't know where it's going. He falls in love with those big arms. That's just how he is wired as a football guy. It's about the big arm at the quarterback position. And every single time, that's where he is going to gravitate to. I just saw a guy that, frankly, wasn't very accurate. Uh, had issues. Now, did finally put together a solid season this year in the year with the Volunteers in his final go-around. 
Uh, Milton threw for 20 touchdowns against five interceptions this year. Really improved his decision-making in his final year of eligibility. Uh, a lot of people think that he'll be drafted. Uh, he'll hear his name called coming up this season. Hit 64% of his passes uh, right now over at NFL Draft Prospects on CBS. He has rate the number 11 quarterback and number 103 overall uh, in their prospect ranking list there. So this is a guy that is going to hear his name called, but they're going to turn to a true freshman. But not any true freshman. Nico Amileva will be the one that will be getting the call for Tennessee. Many people believe that this was the best player in the country a year ago. He is a true freshman. Now, the reason that most didn't have him as the number one player is there was another true freshman that came out last year that generated a whole lot of buzz, a whole lot of conversation, and that was Arch Manning. Eventually, as we know, Arch Manning ends up at Texas. He'll be the backup in their bowl game in the college football playoff coming up against Washington after the departure of their backup quarterback. Arch will be the number two behind Quinn Ewers in that football game. But Imaleva is an incredibly talented guy. He is big. He is fast. He is the absolute definition of a dual threat. Six foot six. 215 pounds. He is long. He is athletic. He can make plays. He did play mopped up duty. You know, there wasn't a whole lot to him this season that you got to see outside of that. And now going up against this Iowa defense and your first career start, this is going to be a good one. Looking forward to this game even more. This is something, Joe Milton, whatever, right? Okay, Joe Milton's getting the start. I know Joe Milton. I'm not going to get excited. But to see a true freshman like this, in his first career start going up against the Iowa defense, I think that's something that absolutely is going to be incredibly exciting to see. And it's going to be something that's going to generate a little bit more buzz for a bowl season. Uh, that can certainly use it. Let's get out to the road right now. Sean Roberts and Justin Miller, they're making their way to Memphis. And they will have full coverage here for you on KXNO. Boys, what's happening? What's up, TC? How's it going, man? Everything is great here. Glad to get you guys aboard with me uh, here today. So, Sean, you're making your way through. I, I saw a video as you guys are making your way through Missouri. Battle in the rain right now, huh? Yeah, it's uh, the weather's been really crappy, not going <laughs> to lie. Um, and what I'm realizing, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time uh, in the state of Missouri, but what I'm realizing, there isn't much. There isn't much uh, at all, actually. Um, but uh, I will tell you this, Trent. We stopped off uh, at a gas station. The bathroom was plentiful of Cyclone fans. Oh. It was a, a line to get into the men's room, uh, and everybody had Iowa State gear on. The roads are, I mean, everyone that we're passing right now has Iowa played. It seems like a lot of Cyclone fans are on their way to Memphis. So saw you guys made a pit stop in, what, Oski that you stopped off at the Hy-Vee? Is that where you were? Yeah, stopped off at the High V. We uh, we picked up some items, and we stopped off at the uh, the High V uh, Fast and Fresh, and got some more items. <laughs> and uh, we uh, yeah, we're making our way through Missouri right now. We got about five more hours left on the uh, on the drive here. All right, so you're looking what a uh, late afternoon get there. Are you guys staying on Beale Street? Are you staying close to the stadium? Where what's the accommodations looking like for you too? So we're staying at the Westin on Beale Street. It's also where we'll be doing the show tomorrow. Uh, and if there's any change with that, we'll obviously let people know. But we'll be on Beale Street. Uh, Justin and I, our plan is to you know, get checked in, get settled into the hotel, and, and make our way out and, and talk to some Iowa State fans and have some fun and, 
And then tomorrow, uh, bright and early, we have a uh, we have Matt Campbell's press conference uh, at eight thirty, and then you'll have the Iowa State pep rally, followed by a parade, followed by uh, our show live from Beale Street. So it's going to be an action packed day. Uh, tomorrow for us. Uh, looking forward to that. Obviously, the day before the game, two thirty kickoff on Friday afternoon. So, uh, mention your stop off. You're traveling. I know you finished up Farrell's. Did work, good work there. You're looking towards the new year. Looking fit. Looking trim. Doing all your good things. What's the snacking look like? You getting older, getting into <laughs> your thirties, starting to turn into an old man. On the other side, you got young Justin Miller. You know he's got the metabolism. He's got you beat. What's the snacking situation looking like on this road trip? Well, I already got the Mountain Dew in me because I was falling asleep <laughs> earlier. So I got the Mountain Dew. I know Sean's got his coffee. What did we – What we got like a snack pack kind of thing. Sna- yeah, so we, so uh, we got uh, munchies. So munchies. We with the munchies. Uh-huh. I'm a big, big Cheez-Its guy. Uh, Cheez-Its? Uh, Cheez-Its? Yeah. I, I love me some Cheez-Its. But they only had the puffs at the yeah. They they only had the puffs. They didn't have the the regular big bag. So uh, we went with the munchie snack mix. Justin got some pretzels. Uh, I got my my water and my coffee, and and that's kind of the snack so far. And if we need to stop off uh, and pick up some more items, we will. Absolutely. So all right, you're making your way through what you're getting towards trying to do the math here. St. Louis area. That's where you guys are right now. I. I think so. Like, I think that's like the direct. This is, I'll tell you this, Trent. Uh, this has been a big without GPS. Justin and I would have no idea. Uh-huh. In fact, we we entered the state of Missouri and we were so like just not like completely paying attention. Uh, we knew we were in Missouri when we started seeing all the fireworks, yes. uh, fireworks stands. And Justin looked. He goes, "Oh, I think we're in Missouri." And sure enough, it's all signed. You know, it was, it, we're in Missouri. So. Uh, it's, we have no idea where we are, actually. We're just following the GPS at this point. I got you. Well, understandable, and uh, I've fallen victim to that as well anymore. Just uh, GPS <laughs> just going to tell me where to go. Don't even really know where you're going anymore, and I'm absolutely with you guys on that front. I, I was just wondering, we're getting close to lunchtime for most people. Is, is there going to be a lunch stop? Are you looking for something special in St. Louis? Are you going to pick up some Emo's Pizza? Uh, what are you guys doing, or are you just going to battle through, maybe grab something on the road and get a good dinner tonight? You, you know it's funny. I don't even think Justin and I have talked about lunch. Uh-huh. I think we're, we've been just so <laughs> so enamored with this beautiful state of Missouri. Seeing uh, all the earth out here. <laughs> it's uh, oh now we got to, there's some sleet happening. We got sleet happening right now. Uh, but uh, but no, I'm I'm sure we'll stop off somewhere, have some lunch, and and maybe uh, give a call on to Murph and Andy here in a couple hours, and and then hopefully we'll wrap up. Uh, we'll be rolling into Memphis about the time, uh, middle or end of uh, the drive. Nathan Fisher will be hosting today along with uh, Lucas. Again, one more time uh, for people tomorrow, your guys' full coverage. Give us a rundown one more time, Sean, what we're going to have here on the airwaves. You guys will have a bunch of stuff up on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. But uh, what the game plan looks like for you guys tomorrow. Yeah, so uh, our AutoZone uh, Liberty Bowl trip is sponsored by High V, Acura of Johnson, Authentic Brand, and Van Wall Equipment. Uh, Justin and I will be up and at him uh, bright and early. We will be going to the uh, Matt Campbell press conference. I believe it's at 8.30 uh, tomorrow morning, and then that leads right into the Iowa State pep rally, followed by the parade on Beale Street, which will then lead right into our show. So, I mean, it's going to be an action-packed uh, 
day tomorrow. And then obviously the game Friday, uh, we'll do some things in the morning there. And then Justin will have his uh, Cyclone tailgate show on uh, 1430 KSI. So it, it, it's going to be action-packed. We're, we're excited. It's going to be a lot of content. Like, if you've ever wanted bowl coverage content on social media, this is going to be it. In fact, it might even get so annoying and obnoxious that people will get mad every time they see a video, but that's what we want. Wait, you? Annoying? Overbearing? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Come on, man. Hey, Trent, real quick. And yeah. This is Justin and I just, just saw this. Did Russell Wilson get benched? There is a potential, yeah, that he is going to be benched. There's uh, some parameters they're working through with his contract. Apparently, if he doesn't hit a couple of thresholds, that Russell Wilson uh, would not be due as much money. It would give them some flexibility in their cap. So even with the potential playoff berth, the Broncos might be sitting Russell Wilson. Wow. Wow, because he's top 10 in touchdowns, yep. top 10 in QPR. He's won the most sacks quarterback so i i'm actually i was like why don't you fix your offensive line first before you sit a guy can we get a uh can we get a live like video cam of uh mr ken miller he'll be back in tomorrow and uh he's excited for it i saw him post a little bit earlier this was the best birthday present that he could have is ken turned 65 today so he's pumped up about it he hates russell wilson Oh, there we go. Well, happy birthday to uh, Mr. Ken Miller. Absolutely. Safe travels, guys. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Thanks. Cece. Justin Miller along with Sean Roberts making their way to Memphis and battling through Missouri at this point in time. Uh, Great stuff from those guys down there. And, again, uh, keep an eye out on social media. The guys will have a ton of content and a full show coming up as well uh, tomorrow. And, again, all the coverage as they make their way through Missouri and down to the Liberty Bowl. Brought to you by Hy-Vee, Van Wall, Authentic Brand, and Acura of Johnston. Quick time out here. When we come back, we're going to change the conversation. We're going to talk some baseball. We're talking Cubs. We're talking Twins. What are my Twins going to do with the potential TV deal that certainly is not going to be financially what it was? A lot of baseball talk. A little Iowa State women's hoops as well. Tommy Birch joins us as we continue. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. See store for details. Continues 106.3 KXNO. Glad to have you aboard with us here today as we take you up until 1 o'clock. Murph and Andy coming up at 1, followed by the drive with Heather today. Sean on the road making his way to Memphis. Right now, you hear the music? Let's talk a little baseball. Hot stove continues, though. This is the lull before we get back into things when January starts up. He is the baseball writer over at the Des Moines Register, amongst other titles that he has. He is Tommy Birch. Birchie, what's up, man? Not much. Happy holidays to you guys. Same to you. Hope everything went well. So what was what was toy number one for Bodie this year? What was his top prize? Uh, Wally, the remote control uh, robot Wally. Nice. So now we have a, a moving, kind of sliding, talking robot in our living room that uh, talks with every movement. So as if it wasn't enough having a five-year-old doing, doing all that that we... We have a robot being controlled by him, but he loves it. That's all that matters, and I will inevitably trip and fall mm-hmm. and probably die over it at some point. Yeah, Black Panther and Iron Man got me uh, the other night. They tripped me up uh, going by the stairs. Jack has everything scattered around. He's got a new Batmobile, <laughs> remote control one that's been banging around uh, across the kitchen and living room. So I-, I feel your pain, but 
it's definitely a fun time and Christmas definitely for the kids and uh, happy for that. Birchie, the offseason is here and at the top, haven't had a chance to talk to you since uh, baseball season finished up. Obviously, the offseason storyline was going to be Shohei Otani and what was going mm-hmm. to happen. Uh, Ken, for a good couple of hours, was excited on that Friday that he was going to be a Blue Jay. <laughs> Alas, that's not the case. It will be with the Dodgers. But just the spectacle that it was, the money that was there, and then the contract details that were just so unlike anything that we've seen before. Quite the story for baseball and, and put baseball in the spotlight, something that it's not like once it, what it once was, certainly in baseball in the offseason. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And now when you kind of go back and look at the money and how it's being deferred over time, it kind of makes you wonder, like, man, how many more teams were really in the mix? You know, obviously, Shohei had his idea of, like, where he wanted to go, what he wanted to do, um, you know, in terms of, like, okay, these are the viable candidates of where I want to, the area I want to be. Obviously, Toronto didn't fall into kind of that warmer mix, but he had a good idea of, you know, with this is the type of organization I want to play for that has a chance to not only win now, but win for um, the foreseeable future. But like I was saying, when it comes to the money kind of being kicked down the you know, kind of kicking the can down the road with it, you know, for, for a long time, the thought was, okay, how many teams have what it takes to be able to, to pony up the money to go get Shohei Otani? And obviously it's still a lot of money, but the way the contract has worked out, you know, it's it's something that I think a lot more teams would would probably be able to um, <clears throat> to to work out. So um, it obviously, it works great for the Dodgers. Not only are they getting one of the best baseball players on the planet, but probably the most marketable baseball player on the planet, and they're getting him at a good rate where they can, as we've seen so far during the offseason, acquire other talent and. I think what's lost in the cause when it comes to the Dodgers is like, okay, not only are they spending the money, but year in and year out, they continually have one of the best farm systems um, in all of baseball. So not only are they are they signing this elite talent, but they're drafting, developing, and moving up, and sometimes moving along via trade some of that top talent too. Over to the Cubs, and obviously you're in Principal Park a whole lot throughout the course of the baseball season, always keeping a close eye on things. Now with Otani off the table, it felt like at least kind of a long shot for the Cubs to pull that one in. Is it a waiting game for Cody Bellinger? Do you anticipate that's kind of going to be the first domino that falls in what the Cubs do this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're willing to spend that type of money when it comes to Cody Bellinger. They've They've got a lot of other needs that kind of uh, have to be met too. So, and kind of the thought too is like, okay, maybe there are some in-house candidates when it comes to potentially replacing Cody Bellinger. Obviously, he's a center fielder, but he's a really good first baseman as well. And what he did with that was a huge asset to that to that young Cubs lineup last year. But they still, despite the struggles that Pete Crow Armstrong had during that short spin in the majors. Last year, they still seem to have a tremendous amount of faith in his ability, and obviously what he can do with the glove is completely um, on another planet and is right up there with Cody Bellinger's, who is obviously one of the, the best center fielders in the game. I think the big question mark is um, can P, can PCA end up 
you know, hitting and, and, and doing it at a solid level. Maybe they, they don't need an elite level. They just need a solid level um, moving forward. But that's kind of the biggest question mark for him. But um, what the Cubs do need one way or another is the first baseman because I, I think the ship has kind of sailed when it comes to Matt Mervis and what um, what they believe is, is his future. I wouldn't be shocked to see him shipped in. In the off season, um, I think even if he goes out and you know stays with the Cubs and has a good spring training, the the long term plans for Matt Mervis don't appear to be with the Cubs. I think he would generate some good trade talk during the off season, but they they seem like they're still in the mix for Cody Bellinger. But for how much there there's probably a cap space for them that they're willing to spend. Third base also a potential need position. Uh, looking at them. Matt Chapman, does that make sense for them? A, a guy that, you know, is okay. He's got a little bit of pop. A plus defender, though, obviously, on the other side. Could you see them getting involved with Matt Chapman? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for part of the reason, like you said, the idea of being a really good defender, because you look up and down that Cubs rotation, it's, it's not like there are um, these high-rate strikeout guys, these hard throwers left and right. Obviously, Kyle Hendricks on the back nine. Of his career, Justin Steele does tally some some good amount of strikeouts, but is not a hard throwing lefty um, by any means. So defense is going to be important. It, it already kind of is the identity of this Chicago Cubs team with what they have up the middle, what they um, had last year in center field with Cody Bellinger as well. So I think that's what they're looking at first is <clears throat> you know potentially a glove type guy, but you know, one name that's still in the mix is Christopher Morrell, who has played a lot of third base during mm-hmm. uh, winter ball. He's hit really well. He's fielded from at least the highlights I've seen. Obviously, they aren't going to be posting um, <laughs> a, a whole bunch of E5s yeah. for, for us to dissect, but I think he's an in-house candidate as well. So it's kind of going to depend on how much faith they have in, in Morrell moving forward because – they want him in the lineup one way or another. Craig Council has been pretty vocal so far since taking over the job, how much he really likes Christopher Morrell. Now it's a matter of um, is he an everyday, every day third baseman or is he a guy that, you know, plays some third base, plays some outfield, DHs, first base, stuff like that. The, the ultra utility role guy, that's the biggest question for him. Let's go north of the border and a team you know well as well, the Minnesota Twins. It's been a frustrating offseason. Now, there hasn't been a whole lot of movement out there, but it's because of the reality. Without a television deal, the likelihood going from, what, $55 million a year, $56 million a year, maybe down to like twenty-five in TV revenue, that's an impactful one for a mid-market team like the Minnesota Twins after finally breaking through, getting the series win, getting just a playoff win against the Blue Jays and moving on. It felt like momentum was building, and now, yep, sorry, we're going to say that we're poor and we're not going to spend any money. It's been frustrating to watch from afar. What have you seen, Birchie? Yeah, I mean, they got to get the TV deal worked out, but part of the deal, too, is it doesn't sound like there's going to be any traction with that until the, at least the early part of 2024 because right now Bali is still um, you know tied up in court litigation. Right now we're at we've kind of the next big uh, hurdle comes like July 15th, something like that. There's going to be another hearing. Um, so then that, that's going to have some sort of impact on 
know, the Twins could potentially sign a one-year deal with Bali, get some money, and then see what's next uh, kind of over over the hill when it comes to TV deals, what Major League Baseball has to offer. That could be a possibility this year, too. But, um, look, the Twins, from my understanding, just are not going to spend any money right now, but that doesn't mean we aren't going to see any additions or subtractions um, to this Twins roster. Obviously, they have a ton of uh, trade potential there with Blanco, Kepler, the Cal Farmer. Um, it's just a matter of, okay, what's available out there? What can they go out and get? You know, and you had mentioned before, Cody Bellinger, I think, for, for the most part, has kind of tied up this free agency, too, where mm-hmm. some of the teams are waiting to see, like, are we going to get Cody Bellinger? Um, if they don't get him, it's like, okay, let's move down the list. What's, what's next available? And Max Kepler, I think, is going to be an, an intriguing guy to a lot of teams. Obviously, he's been the twin system for, for a long time, so... Um, you know, maybe a change in scenery wouldn't be such a bad thing. And I think Twins fans are kind of tired of, yeah. of Max Kepler, even though he's a very, very solid baseball player. But um, he's a guy that will probably get shipped. I would say all three of those guys are probably um, going to get traded. And what the Twins desperately need is some some starting pitching after what they've seen and, and their starting rotation kind of being torn apart during the offseason. Losing uh, a couple of the heavy heads, and close, of course, Sonny Gray, who started that second game of the series uh, in the divisional round. Kenta Maeda has moved on. Uh, Tyler Malley, who was a disaster with his injuries, he's moved on. You know, you look at the top, you're in really good shape, obviously, with Pablo Lopez and the incredible season that he put together. I anticipate a bounce-back season from Joe Ryan that got banged up. Saw good things out of Ober, but Chris Paddock, it's about health with him. Louis Varlin, you know, even as a number 5, it's a pretty good number five there, but depth uh, would be the question after that. I like this team and the division. They're playing in the right one. Detroit's trying to make some moves. Cleveland, they're selling. The White Sox are tearing it down. They're in the right division to get back to the playoffs a minimum. Yeah, and part of the deal, too, is like, what do you want to do with Louis Farrell moving forward? He had some tremendous success in the bullpen. Now that you've found that success, do you want to tinker with that? Do you want to bring him back to the rotation? Paddock is kind of like that X factor where, like, man, he was uber impressive at the end of the year. He's had some success in the past, but there's just kind of so much unknown to him where, um, you know, it could be really good. It could be really average. We just don't know where, like, right now it seems like, obviously, they have, uh, you know, Pablo Lopez, but to be a really competitive team during the postseason, like, you have got to have two really key starting pitchers that, like, you can hand the ball to that you know, like, we're going to get five innings out of those guys. We're going to get five, six innings out of those guys. Or you are just not going to survive a, a series of any sort having to to do openers and rely on the bullpen for seven, eight innings on almost a, a gameway basis. Birchie, uh, you also do a lot of high school baseball this senior class, and, and here locally, a ton of talent. Joey Oki, who had Ankeny Centennial in the top five all season long, an incredible talent, great pitcher. He can swing it a little bit, too. The two kids from Dowling Catholic, Trevor Baumler, going to follow his brother down to TCU, along with Blake Larson, also committed to TCU. Miles Davis, I loved what I saw out of him at the state tournament uh, and at Marion. 
uh, locally, Tyne Whedon of Johnston, Carter Geffrey of Ames that led them to the state championship game. A ton of talent around here. Are there any guys, though, out of that high school group that have the potential to be drafted? Yeah, I mean, obviously, let's start with Joey Oki. I mean, he's the guy that's generating some first-round, probably second-round buzz right now, but you look at him, and, you know, when it comes to the MLB draft, especially when it comes to high school kids, like you are grading all on potential. When you look at Joey Oki, he's already a guy that's thrown the right-handed pitchers, already throwing in the high 90s. And when you look at Joey, get around him, um, you're like, man, that's a, that's a kid that's still growing. That's still a kid that's still aging. That's a kid that hasn't really completely filled out yet. So even though he's throwing 98, 99 right now, the idea is like, man, there could be some more in the tank there. And it, it kind of reminds you of Brody Brecht in a way that like these are a lot of the same conversations we're having about Brody um, when it came to potential. Like, man, he's a guy that's thrown 98, 99. In high school, Brody was throwing 100. The conversation is a little bit different from the aspect that, one, Joey Oki isn't going to college to play football or football and baseball. He's going to college if he goes to college to play baseball. And he, I would say, he is a little bit more, he probably a lot more polished um, of a pitcher than uh, Brody Brecht is because. You know, he does play some other sports. He's a really good basketball player as well. But um, baseball, he understands, is his calling. Baseball is his passion. And and, and that's the, the direction he's headed. So he's had a lot of time already to kind of refine his mechanics and, and get them all in check and stuff like that. Where, you know, when, when we're looking at Brody in high school, we're like, okay, this is a kid that, like, shows up right before the start of the high school baseball season, mm-hmm. picks up a baseball, and he's coming 100 mile an hour fastballs. But the thought always was, like, man, if he gets coaching, he really focuses um, in on the sport, like, what could his game do? What could, how high could his game go to another level? And now this is the year we're finally going to see that when it comes to Brody now that he's completely off football. He's had an entire offseason to focus on baseball. And, you know, teams are still seeing a ton of potential in Brody Breck. Um, now now we're going to see how much of it is potential versus actual skills that, that he possesses right now. But those two names, and Trevor Baumler is the guy that I would keep an eye on, too, just because um, <clears throat> you, you look at what he can do with that, what he can do with fluff. You know, he's a guy that can get up in the in the low to mid-90s as well. He's a two-way guy, has some appeal. Obviously, I, I think the key for him is staying healthy, yep. getting out on the perfect game showcase, some of those other showcases and showing scouts what he can do when he's healthy. But he has been on their radar for a long, long time. So I would not be surprised if we're talking about Trevor Baumler um, during the draft uh, later this summer as well. Good stuff. Hey, Birch, you out of time for today. Always good talking baseball with you. Enjoy it. Enjoy your day off. Thanks for hanging out with me for a while. There is nothing else I would rather do on my day off than talk baseball with you, Trent. Uh, you're too kind. Talk to you later, Birchie. You're probably right. <laughs> Tommy Birch joining us from the Des Moines Register. Quick time out. We talk to the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is Mitch Holtis, and he joins us as we continue. Miller and Condon on 106.3. 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Trent kind of back with you once again. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Mitch Holtis, voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, scheduled to join us. Still awaiting from uh, the call from Mitch. Hopefully we'll get him aboard here before the top of the hour. But in that division, the AFC West, some big news from earlier today. Quarterback for the Denver Broncos. It's put together a pretty nice season. We talked about this a little bit earlier with Justin Miller and Sean Roberts when they checked in on the road to Memphis. A report that Russell Wilson is out for the rest of 2023 trying to find a way to maneuver and change the complexion of what they are. Now, right now, the Broncos still are in the playoff race. Is it realistic? Not so much. Uh, Right now, they just have a 1.4 chance of reaching the playoffs. So the opportunity is not real high. There are seven and eight on the season. The loss against New England on Sunday night, just absolutely head scratching to lose to that team, to give up the points that they did. It has been certainly a tumultuous season for the Broncos, but has this been a Russell Wilson problem? I mean, you look at the statistical profile of what Wilson has done right now. He's thrown this year for 26 touchdowns against eight interceptions. Thrown for over 200 yards per game, 3,070 on the season. He started 15 games, and yet he is out. That is the report that is out there right now on him and what it's going to be. Just something that seems incredible. At this point in the season, still with something to play for. But this, as always, is the answer to any question out there. It's about money. Wilson has uh, talked about his future in Denver recently. Injuries make it easier for them to move on. That is a possibility. Now, it's not going to save the Broncos a whole lot of money in the short term. It's about flexibility going over. The entire 2025 salary, yeah, 2025, still two years, is guaranteed if he is start a part of the Broncos roster next season. That would be $37 million that he would be owed for 2025 if he is part of of the roster in 2024. But the guaranteed money only goes to that point. Here's the options right now. The Broncos can release Wilson by March 17th. That would result in a loss of, how about this, $49.6 million against the cap in 2024. They're already projected to be over the cap in 2024 by about $20 million. So that wouldn't be something that would make a whole lot of sense. Designating him, though, for a post-June 1st release is a possibility. With that scenario, Denver would eat Wilson's 2024 salary about $35.4 million, but avoid any financial blow to the 2024 cap. In other words, they'd save nothing immediately, but millions beyond 2024. So that's what it is. First go-around with Sean Payton and company. I did not go incredibly well. It was an improvement, no doubt. You saw the guy from a year ago. And not just what he was as a quarterback and the statistical profile it was also because there's more than just that with Russell Wilson. You go back to his days in Seattle, and there were tons of questions about him and his personality. Gets to Denver, let's ride. You had the goofiness that was there. It just he's built different. He's he is a different kind of quarterback. He is not the standard rah rah guy. In a way, does he seem like a phony? Is that too far? I don't think so. He just doesn't seem all there. He doesn't seem like a guy that's easy to wrap your arms around and say, yeah, that's a guy I want to go to battle with, right? 
That's what's happening right now. If that's the case and the Broncos are going to be moving on, well, it is then going to be a changeover to Jarrett Siddham. Stidham will get the start. A young man from Auburn, now 27. Man, makes you feel old, huh? Jarrett Stidham's already 27 years old in his fourth year in the league. That is a direction that they would go. And if you're somebody more than likely playing in your fantasy championship coming up this weekend. Now, if you're in your championship, I'm going to guess Russell Wilson wasn't your starting quarterback throughout the course of the year. But if you're in a two-quarterback league, there's a real possibility. What do you do now? Oof. An inevitable uh, situation to be put yourself in if that's going to be the case for you. One hour down, we got one more to go here on Miller and Con, and we kick off the second hour by making our way south. We go to the Liberty Bowl next. Bill Seals is down there with CycloneReport.com. We'll get the latest from Matt Campbell and the football program. Press conferences from earlier. We'll talk a little bit about that with Bill Seals and get ready for the football game preview things. And one more go around for the basketball team on Sunday on the men's side before Big 12 conference play begins. Then David Kaplan will join us from Chicago. We will talk Bears. We will talk Bulls. Maybe even a little Cubs. All coming up here. Our number two. Stay right there. It's Miller and Condon on K92.3.